So welcome once again to another Coffee and Heroes podcast. We are back again. You'll be delighted to hear to weekly content for our review show. Yes. That joy in, uh, that joy in the background you hear, that is uh, Keith himself. How are you, sir? I am not too bad. Disappointed that I didn't get down to the shop this new comic book day. But uh, it's just been a been a busy busy work day. The old 9 to 5 got in the way today. But uh, looking forward to getting down to, to pick up the pool list tomorrow. See, I wasn't going to throw you under the bus there, Keith, don't worry. But, you know, your your admittance just shows how deep the guilt runs. Uh, That's it. <laughs> but uh, our, our other our other uh, stalwart of the podcast, Roddy, he's never a Wednesday guy. He's a Saturday chilled out guy. How are you, sir? Uh, Saturday night special here. Um, Keith, <laughs> Keith I, know, I know how the guilt feels. I've, I've suffered. I've suffered from that guilt, too. Um, yeah, it's it's all good here. Um bit under the weather i'm just gonna put it out there um i haven't been feeling the best and i went to get a covid test uh came back negative thankfully yes which is good um i wouldn't wish the test upon my worst enemy that was horrendous but um it's all good still feeling under the weather so i've got got a pretty bad cough so it must just be kind of wintery man flu or something yeah i'm not not too sure at the moment but um yeah i'm excited to talk to you guys i've been stuck in the house doing nothing for a while so yeah it's good to actually talk to people well that's good because that gives you <laughs> that means you've had plenty of time to mold and perfect our brand new feature which we'll be unveiling later which is very much roddy led but you'll have to listen on for that one uh yeah i mean we're good we're uh, your host is always alan i should say uh coffee and heroes so we are going to be looking at books from the 7th of october as i say we're back to weekly release schedules but you know we'll, we'll jump in with a wee bit of news before then there might not be the biggest sort of news section this time as it has been a, a full three days since we last recorded so not loads has happened but a couple of interesting things popped up and actually something roddy brought to my attention just before we started so it was actually a story that broke in the hollywood reporter uh there's going to be a new comic book publisher uh, which is going to be debuting early next year. It's a publisher called Story Worlds, and it's founded by former BBC boo, employee Max Gadney. Uh, so it looks like a really interesting imprint, though. It's it's going to be launching with four titles, and the titles themselves are slightly breaking the normal uh, comic format. They're going to be what are called graphic novellas, and they are 50 to 60 page books with self-contained stories. I have to say, when I first looked at it, you know, I was I was maybe slightly not underwhelmed, but it didn't look like anything we hadn't seen before. The first title is actually called United States of Magic, and it just had a real sort of cheaper version of the the Magic Order to me <laughs> by the look at it. But then we got to that second title. Holy moly, that just looks like it has the three of us written all over it: the Sword and the Six Shooter, Book One, The Demon Frontier. Mm, this has I you mean, written it's... all over, Keith. Yeah, absolutely. It's the it's the it looks like the whole martial arts, you know, uh, Wild West sort of dealio. So, I mean, most of us are big fans of Red Dead Redemption, you know, on the on the old PlayStation and uh, and all things cowboy. And uh, I mean, we're all uh, I know most of us are, are huge fans of of uh, martial arts and Shang Chi and those sorts of things. Uh, I for one have been uh, getting through a lot of the the Netflix kung fu. Uh, movies that are on there the, the you know all of those sorts of things and roddy yesterday recommended warrior to me which i haven't had a chance yes. to watch yet i am um, five episodes in now yeah okay oh, keith, keith just 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 watch it yeah well, it's, still I mean, good. it's still good 
I mean, I'm sold already. I'm sold. I'm sold already because, I mean, that that is the the product of the original concept by uh, Bruce Lee, who's a, a huge hero of mine. Uh, and I think I think I told you, Roddy, whenever you had mentioned that uh, that this was the concept that Bruce Lee originally came up with, which became the TV series in the seventies, Kung Fu, starring David Carradine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he of Kill Bill fame, um, and uh, of course Bruce delivered this concept to Hollywood, and Hollywood at the time said, "No way, no way can a Chinese man be leading in, a, in an American TV series. Just can't happen." So uh, they seemed to pass on it, and then actually stole it off Bruce Lee and cast Carradine, and uh, as a result, Bruce left Hollywood not to come, not to return until Enter the Dragon, uh, which was the the movie that he made just before, which was released uh, just after he died, but uh, this is this warrior is the the original concept, uh, given yeah. given form. So I'm really looking forward to it. And thanks very I much for reminding me. They've uh, they've done they've done him proud. It's um it's really it's really just it's really interesting. It's unique. Um, it's on C- Cinemax in America, um, which has done like Banshee and Quarry, which I was a really big fan of. Um, it's got like I feel it's got these like HBO qualities to it but i think maybe because it's on cinemax it's maybe looked at a little bit lower because it's on it's not on um sky atlantic over here it's like a sky one thing so i don't mm-hmm. know i don't know if there's something like holding it back but i think there's the quality is there irish accents are very good in it so that's always a plus that's a step up um, from sons of anarchy season three then yes it is <laughs> um yeah fantastic andrew koji the main guy is brilliant and there's a great supporting cast in it and um yeah it's fantastic the action's great there's like there's all these different things to it there's like it's a great pulpy story it's got like your martial arts action but it's also got it's kind of like police drama as well and all about very san cool. francisco and very cool is it the the tong, tong wars i believe yeah uh, it would be yeah. yeah yeah great great show looking forward to it looking forward to it but uh that's that's slightly off the beaten track <laughs> where are we talking about story worlds <laughs> yes comics <laughs> comics yeah and, um, and thanks yeah, for throwing but... another show that i now have to watch onto the massive pile i mean i only just started yeah. the boys season two this week but although we're halfway through that already in fairness but uh no you'd, um, you'd pointed out this imprint to me you'd come across this story yourself yeah, I, I don't know why I came across it and you didn't when I think somebody sent it to me maybe because I'm not not on the old Twitter sphere or the news cycles really. Um, but clearly you're on the Hollywood Reporter's mailing list. I'm on the ball, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's we've got there's sort of no details really. It's like 2021, but we don't really know if um, these graphic novellas are going to be coming through Diamond or what's the crack there. Um, but yeah, it's pretty pretty bold time to be launching a new imprint. So, and is this is it? Uh, you said it was a former BBC dude. Is this is it a British imprint? Is it a British company? I think it's a UK company. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, so it would definitely be one to keep an eye out for, especially with that sort of unusual sort of format, fifty to sixty page books. I mean, those are even bigger than sort of your your standard sized annuals released through sort of DC, Marvel, and and the current indie. Uh, company so definitely something to keep an eye out for anyway um i mean a couple other bits and pieces as i said just sort of caught the eye they um have officially announced a prequel to mad max fury road for me the the year that was released it was the best movie of that year and george miller's back for this it's going to be anya taylor joy uh don't judge her just as magic from new mutants maybe judge her on the witch or split or something like that she's going to be playing furiosa and there's also quite the comic book 
standard cast here. You've got Chris Hemsworth, so Thor himself. And then you're going to have Watchmen star Yaha Abdul-Mateen II. He played Dr. Manhattan, essentially, in the Watchmen TV show. So looking forward to this. And, you know, with it being George Miller continuing that, even though he's what? He must be in, what, his 70s, 80s? He's, he's yeah, a, surely. He's, a, he's an old enough dude, but he's clearly full of, full of life. But, yeah, that's definitely something to look forward to. And then just the other thing I noticed as well was a there's more and more photos starting to leak. Now, I'm not a big fan of leaked photos, I have to say. Uh, but when it comes to anything Batman, I'm probably going to look at it. So they've resumed filming on the Batman in Liverpool. So, of course, uh, everyone's out with their photographs. Everyone's out in their shell suits and perms and taking photographs in uh, in Liverpool. Wow. <laughs> that's, my Harry, that's, my Harry, that's my Harry M. Field reference for the day out of the way. But, uh, yeah, you were starting to see some photographs, uh, a little bit more of Pattinson as Bruce Wayne, a little bit of uh, Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle, John Turturro's playing Carmine Falcone, and also just the ridiculously unrecognizable Colin Farrell as Oswald Cobblepot, which just looks amazing and ridiculous. And just really very much more in line with sort of a gangster take on the character rather than the sort of twisted freak of the, uh, the Danny DeVito one. It looks a wee bit more uh, Tony Soprano than Oswald Cobblepot, I have to say. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, there there was a great take in the Arkham games on the Penguin where he was essentially an arms dealer, which I always really, really liked, rather than just being this freak who walks around with flippers. And We're not going to get into Batman Returns. I'm not a fan. Uh, so, but yeah, this stuff's starting to, see, um, to seep out from the set. It looks really, really promising. But again, I sort of try to stay away from it because... I think when it when you're dealing with stuff like comic book characters, costumes and stuff like that, I think they have a tendency to look stupid out of context and not lit properly and filmed properly and they, they sometimes just look like a cosplay outfit, but I like to think these guys know what they're doing, so it'll be something to uh to keep an eye on. That's the same for me where I'm just like I don't really like seeing much. Like I'll analyze it I'll analyze all that stuff when the film's done and I've seen it all, but um being, being in a Coffee and Heroes kind of group chat, you can't really help seeing that stuff sometimes. So, you know, it's no, it's no bad thing at times, as long as you're not judging it majorly. You're not, you're not uh, preparing any negative opinions on the film before you've seen it, you know? Come on, who would do that now, Roddy? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> name no names. Name no names. <laughs> uh, what is the score with the store, Alan? Yeah, we're nice. We're nice and busy. I mean, obviously there was new, um, there was new things put in place today, new restrictions in the city centre as our hapless government are trying to uh, <laughs> take control of a situation that now looks like we're back to square one with. But it doesn't seem to affect us much. It's it's unfortunately the uh, the hospitality industry that was always going to sort of suffer the most out of this. So, so just so you know, anyone listening to this, as you know, until further notice, we're open as normal. Uh, still six days a week and all the rest. So, I mean, my my main concern isn't even those restrictions because if it came to it and we had to close the store, we'd find a way to make it work. We'd do deliveries to people. We'd, you know, make sure people get their comics and so forth. But my worry is always that if it then starts extending to warehouses and the, the postal service and this and that, and then we don't get deliveries and then we don't have the stock. So, I don't know. I think we're all just a little bit sick of this uh sick of everything yeah. right now it'd really be nice to go back to some form of normality though that said being sick of this is probably better than being sick full stop well that is, you very, know, true. That uh, is very true 
and uh, and uh, I mean, we're currently well. Last week, Northern Ireland was the worst in the world. For, don't tell for, us that, Keith. I mean, the case no- infections. Don't tell us that. I mean, it's not like the Northern Irish media have been telling us about it. We you you had to you know look at the media in the south to, to realize yeah, how exactly. That was. It's quite uh, it's quite hilarious, uh, quite hilarious. But uh, I mean, certainly the store. Getting into the store, there's uh, there's uh, hand sanitizer at the door, and everybody's sort of wearing masks until they're sitting down drinking coffee and keeping socially distanced. And well, that's it. You and, know, and busy um, for us is sort of five six people in the room, and all of our regulars have good head good heads on their shoulders, so they know to keep distances and all the rest. So. No, it's 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 relatively easy for us to enforce, and we're we're blessed with good people that come to the store who understand the situation. So uh, we don't tend to get groups of ten, you know, kids coming in for a you know browse, so to speak. So, but no, yeah, we're all good. I I, I know that this is going to come as the biggest shock news of it all. But delivery arrived this week. Not one thing missing. Not one thing damaged. I know. Wow. I know. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. But you anything know, additional though? <laughs> unfortunately not no uh but i did i did manage to end a five-year search of my own this week because as anybody who knows me knows i love an absolute edition and i've been trying to get dark Knight returns for five years it's out of print i nearly bought it from amazon once but i got the whole way to the checkout button and i was about to press buy and i thought this is too easy i've been searching for this for too long there's something wrong here click back to the details it was a german edition so luckily i didn't you know uh, I didn't go any further on that. I didn't really need to see the the angriest version of Batman written in German because it would have been even worse. So, uh, but yeah, I managed to get a new printing of it this week, so that 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 made this fanboy's uh, fanboy's life better. So yes, good for you. Stores all good. Stores all good. And even just uh, as well, just obviously with us doing the podcast and so forth. Our last reviews one, we had a couple of different comic creators actually listening in on it, which was quite a quite a boost to hear. We. Had a good 20 minute, I think, deep dive into it was Roddy's pick of the week, which was Department of Truth. And, Fantastic. Well, you know, it was, it, was, it was technically all our picks, wasn't it? Oh, you're getting all the credit, Roddy. Uh, That's it. <laughs> I'll take it. But yeah, the one of the cool things is when you, you tag the creators on Twitter that you're doing these reviews. I genuinely think the comic industry, they're always really interested to hear what fans have to say and what their stuff, how it's being, you know, taken and so forth. So he actually listened back to it and he retweeted it and said, this is a great discussion, you know, great work, guys. I did say to him, open invitation, so you never know, he might uh, he might jump on the podcast at some point. Sweet. So, and then I should yeah. throw one last thanks out, actually, just before we start, to the legend that is Sean Phillips. Uh there were some criminal prints he did about two months ago that I tried to buy, but they sold out. And I was quite gutted about it because they're beautiful, beautiful prints. I'm a big fan. You know, we've talked about Pulp a lot in this podcast. Big fan of Criminal, Fatal, all the rest. But he put out on Twitter there about 10 days ago, uh, cleaning out my studio, found 10 copies of these prints, first 10 comic stores to message me. I'll send them to you for free. They arrived yesterday, and they, oh, they nice. are now in with the framers, and they are beautiful. So lovely. Sometimes lovely. the benefits of being a comic store, you know. Uh huh. Great. And Good also, stuff. and also, one last, last, last thing. Oh. I keep just thinking of things. Uh, Donny Kate sent us a early copy of Crossover. I'm not usually one for digital comics, but when it's you know upcoming stuff that we obviously wanna, we wanna make sure a coffee in here is we're guiding people in the right way. We're guiding them towards quality titles. So sometimes getting a little advanced read of these things really helps with that. 
this book was awesome. Uh, I think you boys are really going to enjoy this. <laughs> it's all the right <laughs> notes of superhero storytelling, but with just enough indie thrown in. This this book's going to be big. So uh, I'm looking forward to reading it in print. I have to say, but it was it was nice to get that we that we early preview. Lovely. So Ooh. after that mini review, we're going to actually just jump into proper reviews. So. As I was saying, these are going to be reviews from the week of the 7th of October. So, what were everybody's numbers this week? So, why don't you hit us with your numbers first, Keith? Uh, me, for the for the week of 7th of October, uh, I had 22 titles. Uh, well, 24 titles, really, but 22 single issues. Uh, I had 3 DC, 8 Marvel, and 11 Indie. And I also picked up two trades. That was... Uh, hillbilly volume two i'm really really enjoying that series uh i haven't got into it yet as i just finished my pull list from last week this morning and the other trade was uh jms's the resistance from AWA, isn't it yeah so uh looking forward to getting into that i read the first one as the free comic book day um issue so uh, i'm really looking forward to, to reading the rest of that arc so so yeah 22 22 single titles and two trades and we'll certainly be talking a bit more about AWA as the podcast goes on. Uh, how about yourself, Roddy? What were your numbers? Nice one. Um, yeah, quite similar to last week, actually. I think I had I think I had something similar. Um, I had 11 overall, one DC and one Marvel, so an even split there again. <laughs> and then <laughs> all the rest were indie. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Indy is definitely big this week. Uh, it's the biggest one for Keith. It's the biggest one for Roddy. It's the biggest one for me as well. I mean, I had, I had 25 titles uh, and one trade actually myself as well. So I had 8 DC, 5 Marvel, 12 Indy, so the most of them all. And then I picked up the first hardcover collection of a indie title I love, an image title called Morning Glories, which is by Nick Spencer and Joe Eisma. And I have all the single issues from years ago, but I love a nice sort of hardcover edition. So picked up the first one of those mm. as well. So we had, as I say, a big emphasis on indie there. And I see again with our picks of the week, indie dominates again. This is definitely becoming a... See how you've infected this podcast, Roddy? Infected us. That's good. What, what was the thing you showed us earlier on? You had a little uh, memory... <laughs> which is quite interesting, but I think it was before I was even on the podcast. So oh, I like to think my influence is uh, spreads far and wide. Yeah, I came across the the joys of Facebook memories, and it was one from three years ago. So the store had only been open a couple of months, and we used to have this big sort of blackboard vinyl thing along the wall. So it was you basically rolled it out on the wall. It was flat. It actually went into all the curves of the wall. Looking back, it looked terrible, but it did the job at the start, and. That was back when I first started doing a podcast myself, and I wanted to inform people what was coming out. So what I used to do was one pick from each book, one DC, one Marvel, one Indie. And I can still remember my three picks. So my DC pick is hilarious because it was Doomsday Clock number one. <laughs> and only this week, the releases from the 14th of October did the full trade come out three years later. Uh, my... <laughs> My Marvel pick was, I believe it was Tales of Suspense, number 100. And it was a Black Widow, Falcon and Winter Soldier storyline, I believe. Um, which I found quite hilarious because it was one I don't think I even got one person to sign up for. But you know, there you go. 
And then the indie title was in each title. It was the Grave Diggers Union number one, which was by the artist of Deadly Class, Wes Craig. But yeah, it was well, just... he got me to sign up for that, Alan. <laughs> yes, it was working. <laughs> but, I mean, when I used to do that, I used to actually do, like, little blurbs for what the books were about. Obviously, now we recommend a lot of stuff, so you can't really do that. And that's what the podcast is for. But, yeah, my uh, my Doomsday Clock one was The DC Universe and Watchmen Collide. Just to the point. Uh, my Marvel one was a classic imprint returns as Hawkeye and Winter Soldier team up to find the presumed de- the presumed Black Widow, not the presumed dead. <laughs> the presumed dead. I think I remember <laughs> Keith pointing that out to me years ago. Uh, <laughs> and then the last one, Gravediggers Union, was comedy horror series featuring steroid steroid zombies, swamp vampires, monster gods, space monkeys. What more does any comic book need? So, that was a really fun series too, I have to say. I really enjoyed one, one worth checking out. I really enjoyed Grave Diggers Union. Uh yeah, it's all available in trade now. I think it was two trades in the end. So but yeah, those are the memories from the past. We're all here to talk about current comics. So yeah, as ever, we'll always take a, a pick of the week and then we'll jump into some honorable mentions. The picks of the week are always really, really heavily spoiler filled, so please do, you know, approach with caution as they say. Uh, whereas the honourable mentions, we don't tend to go into quite as much detail. But picks of the week, we'll we'll t- all take a turn at that. I was kind of choosing between two this week, but as Keith said to me just before we started recording, there was no way in hell I wasn't going to side on what I eventually did. So my pick of the week was Batman One Hundred. Insert shocked noise right here. <laughs> so written by James Tinney in the fourth, uh, you had three different artists across this. You had Jorge Jimenez, who's been the series artist for Joker War. You have Carlo Paglian, who did a part two of the book, and Guillaume Marchi did part three. So the book, as I say, oversized edition, and it was split into three parts. So for me, fantastic conclusion to an awesome Batman event. I don't think it can really be underestimated what Tinian has achieved with his Batman run in quite a short space of time as well you know just in our store anyway and and maybe this is because it was a good starting point but he's tripled the amount of people who are on Batman on their pull list in our store Um, so he did the first arc which was called Their Dark Designs where he created new characters, created a really compelling story and and the trade slash hardcover that's out soon so I know that's something you were you know possibly interested yourself Roddy I regret not really regret not jumping on i know and i'm about to tell you even more why you regret it by <laughs> telling you all the great stuff from this one uh but what was really cool about that event as well it, it had its own storyline but he, he was also sowing the seeds with the, which would then you know grow into joker war and it did not disappoint you know it was running through the main title of batman but there was a lot of tie-ins to it as well and they certainly added texture i don't think they were a hundred percent essential I'm sure it'll be interesting to get Keith's take on this because I know he got some of them but not others. I think they added texture, but they weren't really essential, but they they really did add to it for me. Uh, Particular praise reserved for the Batgirl tie-ins and Nightwing. But for me, as it should be with any event that was in the flagship title, that this storyline really soared both in terms of writing and I have to say the art with every issue of this got better and better. So... As I say, we arrive at issue 100, so oversized issue that I must say, and you'll appreciate this part, Roddy, arrives with a pleasing lack of variant covers. You know, unlike Detective 1027, (laughs) all of the DC 80th anniversary specials, Amazing Spider-Man 850, I mean, I like my variants, but sometimes it's just nice that you get a cover A 
and a variant if you so prefer. And that's what Batman 100 arrived with. So yeah, as I say, it can be broken down into three separate parts, which at, at turns are linked, but at others, they also tell their own tale. So part one's the main body of the issue as Batman faces off against the Joker, who is at this point in his own take, wearing his own take on the, of the Batsuit. But even before we can get to the two old foes fighting, we get a very crowd-pleasing moment of Barbara Gordon, who is relinquishing her backguard persona and adopting Oracle. So a really great nod to sort of Barbara Gordon of, of stories past. You know, Oracle has always been Batman in the rest of the Bat family's eyes over the city and that calming voice in their ear during the tensest moments. Uh, there's even time, and I'm sure Keith enjoyed this, there's even time for a reunion of sorts between Babs and Dick Grayson. Uh, I mean, Nightwing in particular, it's it's interesting for a Batman issue, you know, where you would think that Bruce and Batman would be the main, you know, the main star here, but Nightwing shines in this issue. You know, he's providing humor, kick-ass ass-kicking plenty, and it bodes well for Batman's own future that his, you know, eponymous sidekick is clear-headed and refocused after his recent sojourn into the land of Rick Grayson. And what a long journey it was, Keith, eh? <laughs> it certainly was, and I totally agree with you. I mean, if this if this is an indication of how Tinian is going to continue to use uh, to use Nightwing um, in, this, in this book, then, and, and the rest of the Bat family, to be fair, but, uh, you know, Nightwing is 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 best and most among them for me so if this is an indication that of how he's going to continue to treat them then then i'm over the moon i mean i'm already already on board uh here with this but uh but yeah that uh as you say that that brief conversation between oracle as as was and and, and nightwing as is and uh he's he's just taken back his new identity she his identity she's just retaking her old identity and uh, you know he's just saying nope just wanted to just wanted to say it's great to hear your voice in my ear again you know and whether that's a whether that's a whether that's a comment on her being back in the chair you know the 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 the, the with all the screens you know or whether that's a comment on him being back in the nightwing costume you know or them both being back where they belong maybe i don't know um you know maybe there's an indication of I mean, Nightwing has great faith in, in Barbara as Batgirl, but maybe he's glad to see her out of harm's way, as it were, uh, you know, based on their sort of on-again, off-again relationship. But the, uh, but, but counter to that, then, is, is Nightwing's tangling with Punchline. Uh, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. It was it was very, very good. Uh, so, yeah. And oh, Jesus, Jorge Jimenez's art is phenomenal. It is so good the the way he draws, the way he draws all of the characters here. I mean, uh, Nightwing nearly has a very Jim Lee look to him, which is never a bad thing. Um, there's one panel, uh, one page where uh, it's one week later, whenever Batman visits uh, Harley in the hospital, mm-hmm. and uh, a few pages into that, there's a half page, and it's just Batman standing with the cape on one shoulder cape off the other shoulder and the musculature and the face and the the height and the ratio relative to, to everything it's just it's, it's one of the best batman drawings i've ever seen it's really lovely oh. you know it's i say it's a half page uh of just of just bats you know um yeah i mean i know him and yeah. has been on record saying he always wanted to draw the main batman book and he wasn't gonna you know mess up his opportunity and the other thing about it is as well, and I'll get onto it a wee bit later, but he's he said he's sticking around for a wee while as well, so it's not just done at 100. 
But uh, yeah, after me not after all the Nightwing stuff, you know, you go on to the 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 meat of the issue, which is that face off between Batman and the Joker, and it is by turns horrifying, graphic, brutal, but psychological as well. You know, Joker uses all the tricks at his disposal. He even you know reanimates Alfred's body to torment Bruce and you know wage psychological warfare on him. You know, over the guilt that he wasn't there to prevent Alfred's death. You know, he tries to belittle Batman's mission and point out the absurdity of it. You know, and even the the painful reminders of the death of Bruce's parents. Though I am relieved to report, Roddy, there is not a panel with a broken pearl necklace in sight. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Thank goodness. And, and uh, <laughs> I guess one of the one of the things that Joker goes after is because he's wearing he's wearing a costume that uh, was it Lucius Fox's design for Batman for for effectively better days whenever yeah, for better days, he no yeah. longer needs to be the Dark Knight he can be the Light Knight you know yeah um, there was an earlier story a couple of issues back where I'd had a peek into Batman's future and I think at one point it was like oh I had to deal with my first crime in thirty six days or something like that and mm. you know it was a brighter future so to speak it's uh, you know and and him him wearing that costume you know he's Joker's like, whatever future you dreamed of where you got to wear this shiny new costume, it's all gone, Bruce, it's all gone. What did you picture? Retirement, spending long hours in the manor with robins and grand robins cooing at your feet. You know, and meanwhile, Bruce is imagining, you know, him in this in this shiny new armor and, uh, you know, cuddling up to Catwoman and her new costume of the future. It's, you know, and, and Bruce is seeing that future disappear, you know, it's it's really good stuff. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a very much a back and forth, and then in, the fight actually ends with Harley stepping in and offering Batman a choice. You know, stay and save the Joker, or chase after her because she has essentially strapped a bomb to the Joker and strapped a bomb to herself, and both of them are going to go off within ten seconds. And it's either you don't have time to defuse them both, Batch. You either come after me and save me, or you save the Joker. You know, Harley for me has been—I think we've talked about it before—but Harley has been a bit of an emerging star in Batman books recently. You know, great turns in Suicide Squad and Harleen and in Batman itself. And in this, she even gets in a good shot at the Joker, which may alter his appearance for the foreseeable future as well, which will be which will be an interesting one. So the first part, it, it actually ends with the introduction of a new character as well. And again, Tinian's setting up for what to look forward to with his run. And, you know, I have to say, the future looks really, really interesting. And all of that's without mentioning the second part, which delves into the character of Clown Hunter. And then part three, well, I don't want to spoil anything about part three. Part three was my favorite part of the whole book, uh, mm. outside of Tinian's art. But part three really sets up where they're going, but at the same time shows that the next storyline is not going to be just a rehash of this. It's sort of setting up things further down the line. That, uh, that last story seems to be setting up uh, a punchline ongoing or a, or a mini. Yeah. Yeah, uh, just a really good... I mean, the last the last book is basically... A, or sorry, the last part of the book is basically a conversation between three people in, or two people in a bar. But I'll not spoil it any further than that. Um, mm. But yeah, just to double back as well, you know, I cannot overstate just how good Jimenez's art has been on this run. You know, and, and I really am delighted to see him announce he will be sticking around in Batman for some time to come. Genuinely career best work for him. You know, he's worked on Justice League before. He's worked on, I think it was uh, Super Sons as well. But this work is going to take some topping. It's It's just a gorgeous gorgeous book um suffice to say i i really really recommend batman 100 even if it's a it could even function as a starting point to a degree because it is setting up a lot of stuff moving forward um as well as the conclusion of joker war so you could actually jump into it from there but 
I have to say, I came up with a final line for my wrap-up review of this and also of James Tinian's work so far, and I'm pretty proud of it. Let's see if you get the reference. So, James Tinian IV, when you were announced as writer for Batman after Tom Keane, you had our curiosity. Now you have our attention. <laughs> I was quite proud of that one. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> but yeah, great book all around, um, and I'm really glad it didn't disappoint. Uh, you know, Batman's in very, very safe hands for now, so uh, if you're not on it, get on it. So get on it, McCants. We'll get you on to another DC title. <laughs> we need bring it up to two. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so my pick of the week, Batman 100. So we're going to go from the DC and on to the indie. What was your pick of the week, Roddy? Yeah, um, so I'm going for, I don't know if I can even follow the Kraken last line, but I'll, I'll try here. Um, I'm going to go for Transformers Meets Back to the Future, number one, published by IDW. This is written by Kevin Scott, also marked by Juan Samu, uh, colors by David Garcia Cruz, and letters by Neil Utaki. Um so yeah, um, I just like to start off, I wasn't really too excited about this, believe it or not. And I think um, I feel a, re- a little bit guilty about it because I think um, that Transformers Terminator series kind of took it out of me a little bit. Yeah, yep, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. So it was kind of like the idea of another crossover. I wasn't too enthused because I don't like it. It feels like I'm you know ragging i think i said last week i really didn't like the transformers terminator one but it sort of felt to me like everything the quality of the crossover you know the crossover is like a special thing in comics um and i don't think for whatever reasons i don't think it was it wasn't very special and they they sort of got it a lot wrong but with this one they got it right and there's a couple of other choices in there and i think I ended up circling back to this one, A, because we, we've we talked about those other choices, ongoing series, but I thought this one was really special, actually, I thought, and they're just starting off, it started off completely brilliantly, and there's a wee, there's a little note in the first, the uh, first page here, and, and it says, from the desk of Dr. Emmett Brown, space-time continuum is full of infinite possibilities and alternate timelines, and it's unending nooks and crannies. These include events and histories that could happen, have happened, may never happen, have been erased from existence, or exist entirely as conjecture. How then do we classify this tale? For now, suffice to call it entertainment. As a physicist, I can speculate no further. Dr. Emmett L. Brown. And, like, to me, that kind of set up the, like, what you're going to get with this one. The Terminator one was very, like, washed out and a bit, like, dull. And it didn't it didn't have the fun of that Transformers really should. And I feel with this this book it really captured both properties and they just meshed really well together for me. I really enjoyed um Juan Samu is he's done art for a lot of IDW stuff. I know he's done stuff for the the Marvel IDW kids things, you know, like Black Panther and all that. And he's done some stuff on Transformers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And let me see a few other things too. Yeah, right, try to load his Twitter profile. Just ignore that. Um, 
And then Kevin Scott. Kevin Scott's an interesting one because he he's the writer. He wrote the main Transformers series, which Keith and I kind of fell off a wee bit. Yeah, post rubble. So, mm-hmm. Post rubble. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's what. That's where it. Post rubble and then endless kind of politics. So it was interesting for me to to see this one. Um, and like they flip and they nailed it. They nailed the tone of both the properties. It feels. It very much feels alive, and both both things, both the writing and um, and the art, seem to blend together for this one. I really loved it, and the colors in the series really pop, and the Transformers look like Transformers. It almost feels like they've lifted the characters straight from the cartoon of the eighties. Um, the colors, there's so many like neon purples. There's great coloring of like Bumblebee looks great. And then, but the characters, they kind of, they are themselves, you know, they're the characters you feel you know, whereas in the Transformers versus Terminator one, it felt very, didn't really feel like you were, you were in that universe almost, whereas this, I feel it really, it really does, it captures like the, the essence of both these properties. And most importantly, it was funny. There was a great wee um, Van Halen reference to, which felt quite timely. Um, isn't it in the film? Um, Marty wakes up his dad in the, the kind of uh, the suit with Eddie Van Halen's like eruption solo. That's right. Yeah. So it, was, uh-huh. it was nice to see that it, they they got the balance really well in the story here. There was loads loads of lovely, lovely, really like unique homages, you know. And I, I re- like I appreciate that stuff, but it also felt like they also managed to make it its own thing. And it sort of starts off with Marty. Or sorry, it starts off with Marty and or is it Doc Doc in the DeLorean and he's being chased by the the Lib- Libyan terrorist, isn't it? In the yeah, film? yeah, Libyan terrorists were yeah. And absolutely. then it turns out he's being watched by the Decepticons and most specifically Rumble, and it goes from there. And then Bumblebee sort of thwarts the plan, and basically it goes from there. And Marty and Doc get involved. Um, and they sort of thwart the Decepticons there in the end, but then Marty Marty returns to his house, and then Doc Doc eventually ends up leaving him, and he's going to travel back in time um, and figure something out. And then it's like, hey, watch the re-entry; it's a little bumpy. And then Marty goes to bed, and then he wakes up, and it's all gone wrong. So this this is another thing that I really loved the story took a completely different turn to what you really thought it was going to do. And Marty wakes up in this sort of world where the Decepticons rule Earth and his parents are, you know, he's like, oh man, this is heavy and all. He wakes up and his parents, he's sort of questioning it and his parents are telling him to shut up and all this kind of stuff. And it's basically the Decepticons have taken over Hill Valley and they're using Hill Valley to kind of steal and build Energon and the humans have become their slaves and uh, features a great uh, great cameo from Biff Tannen interacting with Starscream so <laughs> in, a, in a typically Biff sort of a way you know and uh, there's a nice <laughs> a nice turnaround of that line there that uh, you know the one yeah um, yeah I thought this is brilliant and then it's sort of a really class ending with um this this new character which we'll find out sort of it's a great little twist um so 
the DeLorean sort of appears back in front of Marty and then awesomely transforms in front of his eyes and it's uh you call i'm pretty sure you call him gigawatt don't you because i've seen the toy but he's not named in this but he is on the cover so it's kind of kind of a bit of a spoiler i thought but yeah i loved it i thought it was great and it made me it just made me like appreciate the little nuances of the of stuff like crossovers you know because it was just pure fun there's um, no other way you're going to see this except no, in a comic no. book you know it's uh this is the medium for that sort of thing so they might have they might have boshed it a wee bit with the transformers terminator but with us they've just hit the it's all about the tone isn't it it's you know yeah back to the future is is a light-hearted comedy movie you know with with with, with, with big stakes but even the stakes and and back to the future are more about the family and about the change in the timeline of the world you know mm-hmm. um so it is. It's great. Yeah, it's great to see. Yeah, yeah. I think they've they've just captured that tone very very well. You know. Yeah. I mean, and, do, uh, you, do you think one of the reasons that it works so well is because Back to the Future? It's a better, better franchise to bounce off that suits the cartoon flow of Transformers. Doing Transformers yeah. Terminator, you kind of have to do it quite seriously. You know what I mean? Mm. It, it it's maybe you can't have as much fun with that. I think as you can with this. I mean. Maybe it's because for me, I, I I love this issue as well. It was actually very close to my, my pick of the week as well because it was just so fun. But I think that's because I think Back to the Future is just a better one to bounce off of. And like they, they, did, they touched so many touchstones of Back to the Future. You know, they showed that opening part where, you know, they go through time for the first time. They show Marty on a skateboard. They, you know, show him, as you say, interacting with Biff. You know, you even get him saying this is heavy. You know, I think the writer really understood Back to the Future really well, which just aided this massively, you know. For sure. I mean, it was, I just, I, I really, I just enjoyed it just from cover to, and even just that we, uh, that we note from the desk of Emma Brown at the start that says, for now, we'll call it entertainment. You know, it's a, it's an alternate world. Don't worry too much about it. It's all right. Just go yeah. with it. You know what I mean? It, it was like it's a wink, wink to your audience, isn't it? That it's is like it okay. Is. This this is just going to be like a bit of a good bit of clean fun. And yeah, that's, and, and, that's what it was. You know, <laughs> you know it's fun whenever you know Marty's trying to take on Starscream with a with a trash can lid. Uh, you know, as <laughs> Captain America nearly, and then he's trying to outrun this fighter jet form on a skateboard. <laughs> you know, it's it's just hilarious. Uh, but yeah it was and even just the you know they got the costumes right of the characters you know from back from the original back of the future and and all of that stuff so yeah so clearly the you know megatron learning about the uh the the, the delorean and time travel has has changed things so i'm interested to see what you know what megatron has done that has caused all of this you know so mm-hmm. it's uh very interesting and uh you know, we've seen, uh, yeah, we've seen Bumblebee. Did we, did we catch anybody? Any other Autobots? Yeah, um, Optimus, Optimus is in, is in there. there. Yeah, I would yeah. say Optimus and like Hound. I think Hound, he's, he's one of my favorites too. But um, yeah, like I think it was, it was maybe more Decepticon heavy one because you got you got Megatron, Starscream, Sunwave. What do you call Ravage Rumble and, and all? Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, I think we'll we'll probably see more Autobots in the second one, but. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Um, very, very good. Like this, very good. Indeed. Looking forward to see where it where it goes too, because yep. Yep. they've set up. Even though it is kind of fun, it's still really engaging as a story too. 
Yeah, very much so. Very, very enjoyable. Very enjoyable. Just good. Just good fun. <laughs> yeah, that's essentially what it boils down to. As you say, these crossovers, they don't always hit the mark, but when they're done right, as you say, they just put a uh, they just put a smile on your face. That's exactly what this did. But yeah, that Biff line was just... And, and it worked for me as well, because I only recently watched Back to the Future 2, maybe a week or two ago, so it was quite fresh in my mind. And uh, therefore, it hit that sweet spot. So... Yeah, definitely, definitely all in for this one, I have to say. And selling well at the store as well. I think it just hits that nostalgia sweet spot really, really well. So, yeah, great choice, Roddy. So, McFly. <laughs> hey, McFly. Think, McFly, think. Except that line is used in a better way in this. So, yeah, they, they may never make another Back to the Future, you know, movie of any kind, nor should they. But, you know, I, I, I could take an animated, you know, version of this, no problem. <laughs> you know, so cool. So that was Roddy's pick of the week then, which was Transformers. Um, I don't know if you'd call it Transformers versus Back yeah. to the Future, or just Transformers it's Back just, to the Future. <laughs> I, I wasn't too sure because I think I've said several times I was like, "Is it Transformers versus Back to the Future? Is it Transformers X Back to the Future? Transformers just, uh, meets Back to the Future?" But it is just the Transformers. Transformers Back to the, Back to the Future. future yeah, mm-hmm. number one. Either way, slash in there? either way, you call it awesome. So, yep, that was Roddy's pick, pick of the week. week. That's what it's so, called. <laughs> it's called Roddy's pick of the week. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what they were aiming for when they uh, when they produced it. So cool. So that was Roddy's choice. So on to yourself, Keith. Then, what was your pick of the week for seventh of October? Oh well, I'm gonna stay indie, uh, but I'm gonna veer off the uh, the lighthearted entertainment and onto something that was just a little darker. Just a little. Uh, so we're we're looking at uh, AWA, uh, which uh, has been coming up again and again in our conversations. Uh, we, I think we're we're loving a wee bit of AWA at the minute. Uh, American Ronin issue one of five. So, I mean, I remember I remember seeing this in the previews book a few months back and going, "Oh, that looks interesting." Just the the, the covers, I love it's a lovely sort of greeny yellowy cover, uh, and and the, the front cover just has a. As a dude in sunglasses sitting in a suit with a, a silenced pistol on his uh, on his lap that's still uh, that's still smoking, um, so that's kind of uh, uh, it's a wee bit more a wee bit more hardcore. The uh, the writer is uh, Peter Milligan, who uh, is is a well known and long time uh, comic book writer, um, been on the go since God since nineteen seventy eight, the year I was born. Uh, he's been writing, and uh, he's been through 2000 AD, which is where he, I think he really kicked off. Um, DC Comics, Vertigo, and uh, Marvel Comics, and he's still writing DC and, and Marvel, and, and obviously uh, independent. So uh, there's there's no point in going into the stuff that he's the stuff that he's he's written over the years. He's been on everything, you know, uh, Batman and and Hellblazer, the Human Target for for DC. Um, and uh, for Marvel, Punisher, Spider-Man, Thor, all sorts of, all sorts of stuff. X-Men. He actually launched. He launched. Uh, he took X-Force and made it into Ecstatics. Uh, wasn't really my cup of tea. I have to say, he really changed X-Force into something a wee bit more satirical, which just wasn't to my taste at the time. But, uh, but yeah, Peter Mulligan has been at this. He's been at this a long time. A uh, mark a mark of quality. Uh, the art is by Echo. A C O. Um, Echo. Uh, known for uh, Nick Fury, for Marvel, Midnight or Apollo, Deathstroke, um, a bunch of a bunch of different stuff, and then your uh, your uh, David Lorenzo is your your inker, and uh, Dean White is your letterer. So, what is this about? Well, 
you know the idea of a the idea of a ronin uh, a masterless samurai is is a sort of an idea that has always sort of grabbed me um you know back in the uh back in the the days of the you know the the sort of japanese empire and the emperor and all of that sort of stuff and the you know whenever whenever the the samurai were the were the protectors of the emperor and all of that good stuff um ronins were those masterless samurai whose master had had died or who had in some way been disgraced who uh, who went you know classically went about the country uh you know righting wrongs and and that sort of thing and 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 living their own honor by the uh by the the, the word of the samurai and the code of the samurai but this is uh, this is a little a little different, uh, but the the title says something I think. So, in this in this book, corporations, it's it's the near future, the very near future, like maybe tomorrow or the day after. Um, corporations rule and war against each other. Um, democracy is a lie. Um, soldiers, the soldiers, their soldiers, the corporate soldiers are only only loyal to their own respective corporation. But there's there's one soldier, the Ronin, who has become unbound from his conditioning, and he's now seeking to take down this network of of uh, of corporations. But he's we never really find his his name, I don't think, uh, during the book. Um, but uh, he seems to have been altered in some way, and I presume it's it's from being a corporate soldier previously, where his his neurology has been altered. That whenever he has uh, the DNA of someone injected into his blood. He can empathize completely and totally with them to the point that he almost takes on their sensorium. He understands what drives them and he feels what drives them and and in that way uses uh, like social manipulation rather than necessarily weaponry or skill to you know or other other combat skills to to assassinate uh, individuals within the the corporate structure. So it's really really interesting. Um, it, uh, did did we all read this or? I read this and very much enjoyed it. And from Roddy's I, face, I would say he's going to. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just your your description. I will I will seek it out. I will ask my friendly neighborhood uh, comic book store to seek it out for me. Maybe. <laughs> ah, very good, very good. So, it's a five issue miniseries. Um, again, from still. Uh, fairly new AWA Studios um, could could have been a vertical title, um, and it's uh, as I say these these giant transnational corporations size and power run the entire world, and he's attempting to hunt down some of the leaders of these these corporations. And you know, although there, there, there's there's car chases, there's martial arts, there's uh, you know all sorts of so cool stuff, and 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 so there's there's cliches in there, but but it, it's clear from what you know from this first issue that. Um, Peter Milligan is going to he's going to use those familiar tropes and those cliches I think to do something a wee bit more twisty uh something a wee bit more engaging um but this this first issue really uh, introduces the the character introduces his his skill set and his I guess his reason resin de etre, but I, I think we're going to go to some some slightly more uh I, I think complex places with us you know and just just through that power set so um we're introduced initially uh to uh cornell who is the the head of a, a corporation you know and he's clearly you know he's, he's got all the money in the world he's got you know he's got 
uh, his his butler bringing him sex workers, you know, tonight's entertainment, you know, and he's asking if the window can be opened, you know, and all that sort of st- stuff. Uh, he's, you know, he decides rather than uh, than enjoy the entertainment, he goes for a ride, and uh, you know, we see our our operative, our Ronan, uh, take down one of his uh, one of his outriders uh, from his his entourage, and uh, and learn a little bit about uh, about Barrett Cornell and all of that sort of stuff, and through through um he learns that 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 Bart Cornell is obsessed with uh with uh Gigi Lowe who's the heiress of uh, Lowe Electronics which is another corporate so uh through through variety, variety of really interesting uh, machinations our uh, our operative uh gains the saliva of uh of Barrett Cornell, Barnett Cornell, and uh, we see we we see them him, him use the saliva to to create a uh, a serum, a DNA serum, and as soon as it hits the his bloodstream, the nanosurgery inside his cerebral cortex kicks in, and his he calls it his enhanced enhanced empathy re- reflexes, you know. So he's immediately full of self disgust and a full sense of who Barrett Cornell is, you know, dreams and fears. Opening up like fast motion blooms, you know my late wife, the children who now hate me, deaths I've caused, love I've abused, deeper a window, a high window I'm opening it, you know what is the thought of our dead body splattered in the sidewalk? Fill us with why does it fill us with nothing but peace, you know? And he's feeling this. He's not just he's not just viewing it. He's feeling it. So, you know, for the rest of the issue, we have we have our Ronan putting his plan into place, you know. But and then and then he's on the run. You know, following that that plan, but while he's on the run, he's trying to fight these feelings of self hatred and self loathing, and a and a a feeling that he deserves to be caught because this is all coming from the hangover from from Cornell's, you know, the the, the empathy that he's feeling from Cornell. You know, it's so there's there's definitely something a lot deeper going on here. We're 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 introduced to uh, to other corporations uh is it lincoln's eye one of them is called which seems to be a, a surveillance corporation that watches the others and is, is hunting our man um and uh, there's just there's a lot more there's a lot more going on uh but it, it just is a really it was a really great read uh, a really uh, a really fantastic read i i felt you know um they uh yeah although he's, he's free of you know he, and I, I i don't know if it if it says it in there, but I definitely got the impression that this guy is a former corporate agent himself. Um, but I know he's, 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 and the, the idea of a, a Ronin obviously is, is free from a master. Um, but he's definitely chained by the, by the mental chains that, 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 uh, he creates for himself whenever he uses this ability. So it's, yeah, there's a lot to learn about the main character. There's a, a lot more to learn about the, the story and the, the setting and, and that. So there's a lot of work to do within five issues, but, God, I really enjoyed this. Really enjoyed this first issue. Really enjoyed the the action. Um, you know the, the the car chases and the you know the the tactics you're seeing. It all very much. It's 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 third person. It's from inside the head of of our of our Ronan. You know, uh, and his thoughts and his feelings. And it has to be, I guess, just in order to get the full impact of the nature of of his abilities. Whenever he injects the DNA and and feels the empathy. You know, the the empathy reflex. But you know, we've we've got these this motorbike chase, car chase. We've got some takedowns, and and we've got some some martial arts, and we've got planning, and so there's there's a wee bit of born identity here, a wee bit of bond, but there's there's a lot more going on. Uh, what did you reckon, Alan? 
Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Uh, same again, this was very, very close to being a pick of the week for me. I thought it was, it stood out as something very, very different to anything else that was on the shelves. The only thing I could possibly equate to it, certainly in terms of tone, was Lazarus came to mind a little bit. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's never it's never a bad comparison. And that is certainly not a bad thing. I mean, AWA for me, they're, they're just knocking it out of the park with each and every one of these stories so far because they're all very different from each other. The, you all know um, they're going to be fully explored in sort of four or five issues, that kind of thing. I mean, as you say, there's a lot to unpack here, you know, um, and the art is just stellar, so it is. I was really, really impressed with the art and the colouring especially. Um, always just really, it's it's probably your favourite phrase as well, was get to the old clean lines, but it's really interesting art. I mean, when he injects himself, for example, you know, and he's, you know, as he says, oh, my enhanced empathy reflexes come alive. I'm full of a sense of self-disgust. I'm full of a sense of Barnett Cornell. And it's just this great page of him sort of meditating the main character. And you can see all these sort of thoughts and memories and feelings that, you know, come from Barnett Cornell. Um, it was just a really, really great visual scene. And yeah, I, I love this. I love corporate espionage type stuff. I love mm-hmm, spy mm-hmm. stuff. Um, like even the unorthodox ways he, he uses to get his saliva. I thought it was really, really interesting. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like to... The high-priced madam in uh, in Hong Kong who wants to lick his lick her toes and all sorts. It's, it's just really, really interesting. Book really well put together, but really, the the main character what I really liked. I love it when spy mo- spy stuff. It's one of the reasons I'm a big fan of the Bourne franchise when they're very methodical with what they do, and it's all about sort of doing one thing to achieve the next objective and you know fulfilling these mini objectives as you go before you get to the bigger picture and that's what i really liked with the main character here it was it's not a rushed plan it's not a forced plan it's a you know bit by bit sort of it reminded me a little bit as well of the you know the game hitman a little bit of that as well Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so uh yeah very very impressed with this i have to say and and again awa just they're they're very quickly becoming my favorite publisher at the moment Mm, that's uh there's a there's a letter from uh, from Peter Milligan Milligan at the end of it, you know, and and he says uh, he talks about a man who who can know how you feel, a man who's determined to kill the very people who made him the way he is, a man who dies a little inside every time he kills someone. Uh, it's 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 a good uh, good good description. So yeah, I'm really uh, really interested. I'm wondering, you know, are there are there other surgically enhanced Ronins? Uh, you know that are going to appear so that i mean you definitely i can see the lazarus uh, connection you made there yeah uh for sure but yeah it's great it's great stuff great stuff um yeah i, I mean awa has been doing great but i think this may be the the top book from them for me so far it's kind of their second wave of books is it yeah very much so so there's this one there's one that's going to be called grendel kentucky i know that's coming soon we've got a volume two for year zero as well so yeah, they're they're knocking it out of the park, and um, and I think creators are really they're really attracted to that sort of model. It's like, yep, just come to us, three, four, five issues of a book, tell your story, get in, get out, almost. You know, it's not like they're trying to set up these long ongoings or anything. So, and the first wave of trades obviously hitting, they're selling well, and and they're covering a wide genre of things as well. You know, this the books are all very very different from each other. So. Uh, as I say, great pick, Keith, and uh, again, one that was very, very high on my list as well. I'll happily throw you a copy, uh, Roddy. I'm, I think we're sold out in the store. I can either source you one or we, we'll throw you one of our copies. Yeah, it's can maybe, can maybe wait for the trade too, but I'll, I'll definitely... 
Well, three of my issue, and we'll save the, save the first issue appeals to you. Um, cool. Cool. So that is uh, all of the picks of the week. So we finished off with Keith there, which was American Ronin number one from AWA Studios. Peter Milligan and Aku, Aku, ACO, however you want to pronounce it. Great art. So yeah, that were those were all of our picks of the week. So we'll be back in a few moments and we'll go through some honourable mentions. Cool, so we're back now then and we're going to be going over some honourable mentions then from the 7th of October. So as always, there's always tons of great stuff out. Not everything can be a pick of the week, but we still do like to bring a little bit of attention to certain titles uh, that, that we enjoyed from this week. So... We always go through it publisher by publisher, always kick things off with DC. Uh, the first one for myself was one that, again, you know, and, and I feel like I've said this a couple of times in this podcast, but it was very close to a pick of the week again. There's just great, great stuff this week. So the first one I wanted to chat about quickly was American Vampire 1976, number one. So this is the first in a, in a mini series, I believe is going to be nine issues. American Vampire is one of my all-time favorite uh, DC Vertigo. It was a DC Vertigo title. Now it's a DC Black Label title just due to the, the company rebranding the imprint and dropping Vertigo, unfortunately. But American Vampire was a creator-owned series by Scott Snyder and Raphael Albuquerque. And I believe this was part of a deal that DC used to do. They may still do it, I'm not sure. But anytime they wanted to poach a creator from Marvel, they would offer them a big level book and also the opportunity to do a creator-owned title as well. So I believe Scott Snyder at the time was writing Iron Man Noir, of all things. And basically, DC said to him, do you want to come and write detective comics? And you can also do whatever you want with Vertigo. So for that, he did American Vampire. Uh, brilliant, brilliant series. The first, uh, the first volume ran 33 issues. Then there was a follow-up called American Vampire Second Cycle. And this one is American Vampire 1976. So as I say, Scott Snyder on writing duties, Raphael Albuquerque on art. And Dave McCaig is the colorist, and he is someone we'll definitely be chatting about later in that all-new section. Uh, so yeah, this was just like a big, warm, nostalgic hug. You fell straight back into it. The main character we followed through American Vampire is sort of the titular American Vampire. It's a character called Skinner Sweet. Um, we basically pick up with him in 1976, where he's actually working as a stuntman. Uh, almost like an Evil Knievel type character for the circus, just making a little bit of money off the beaten track. But some of the, the past VMS agents that he used to work with basically track him down, and it's the sort of stereotypical dragging him in for one last job sort of thing. Uh, just great, great storytelling. The art continues to be brilliant, and the last page is something that links all the way back to issue one of American Vampire. And it's maybe a testament to how much I enjoy this title and how much it's sort of ingrained in my psyche that I got it straight away, that it was a throwback to issue one, despite it actually being a little while since I've read it. So I think you could pick this up as a book uh, on its own. I think you, you'd certainly get plenty out of it. But at the same time, I think you'll get more out of it if you do have familiarity with the uh, with the franchise itself. So perfectly ripe for a TV show sometime down the line. Hopefully this is horror mixed with adventure, mixed with alternate history. You just can't go wrong with that, I think. So really, really recommend this. Uh, and unfortunately, I was the only one on it, though, I believe. Yeah, I'm looking forward to a big old omnibus of uh, all of it, whenever it all comes out. Yeah, nice. same. <laughs> so, it's like too daunting at the moment, or almost or something. Yeah, I mean, it, it is quite a lot to get into. The only thing is there is a really class omnibus out there. It's now out of print. 
and I would love to get it myself, but now it's going to be incomplete because it's not going to include 1976. So we're going to need new printing down the line, DC. We do apologize. So yeah, that was my first honorable mention, which was American Vampire 1976. And then on to a book I believe you two find gentlemen read. I unfortunately ran out of copies of this in the store before I could nab one. I do have one on the way. It is Halloween-based, so I've got a little bit of time to catch up. What are we talking? Good stuff. Um, this one is Legend of the Swamp Thing, Halloween Spectacular. This was a 48-page giant, um, Halloween-themed, obviously. We've got some great creators in there. Ram V, Mike Perkins, Philip Kennedy Johnson, Vida Alia, Julian Little, James Tinian himself, um, and Christian Ward. Yeah, this was brilliant. It featured... Um, five stories almost with um a nice wraparound story from ram v um there was the first one's called at the heart of the trees and then the second one's at the heart of man very much a sort of mythical take on swamp thing which i really enjoyed um something about but there's something about anthologies that i really love that you can just you've got five pages to give like a little bit of insight into a character so yeah really 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 dug this some of the art is phenomenal i particularly loved christian wards um and james tinian's james tinian the fourth age of discovery which was like i don't know just like like some sort of 1960s trippy stuff uh, absolutely adored it um but yeah ram ramby's story was really good too and I would say I really quite liked Sleeping Giant as well from Vida Alia and Emma Rios did the art on that. So, yeah, what do you think, Keith? Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, I'm never the big the big fan of uh, anthologies, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this was this was about uh, Swamp Thing, you know, the Guardian of the Green uh, through other times and other eras and other places uh, and, you know, different eras, avatars and edges of the of the swamp thing are explored and revealed, but yeah, I mean, I really love that that uh, wraparound story at the heart of trees, that at the heart of man by by Ram V and the fantastic uh, Mike Perkins, um, who notably, actually, we were talking about the stand last week. Uh, he uh, he drew the adaptation, the com- Marvel's comic book adaptation of the stand, um, oh, wow. which was which was rather fantastic. Um, I, I forgot about that. I really enjoyed. Uh, no sign of the enemy by Julian Little about the uh, the Japanese uh, World War Two soldier left behind yeah. on the island. Uh, I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, um, uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson's Ring of Stones, you know, Roman era story. So, yeah, very very enjoyed it. Uh, very 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 enjoyed it. Very much enjoyed it. Um, it was a, a really good read at the start of my, my pull list. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure, great stuff. I think you'll I think you'll really dig it, Alan, once you you get it. Yeah, you know me, I love a good anthology and you can't go wrong with a bit of Swamp Thing. So it does have some big shoes to fill. I remember the last Halloween Spectacular being rather great as well. So First Comics Cavalcade. <laughs> Say that five No, times actually, times. I don't think that. No, what was the one? Secrets of Sinister Secrets House of was Sinister last year. House I think. was last yeah. year. And then the year before there was a Swamp Thing member. It was... Uh, oh, the Winter Special. Tom Keenan yeah, they've all, they've all been really yeah. good, actually, recently. Yeah. yeah, usually a good mark of quality with, uh, yeah, with we've, Swampy. We've got... Got one next week. The other, the other uh, Halloween one, isn't it? Yeah. Or is it towards doomed, the end of the month? Doomed in the Damned came out today. One is oh, safely excellent. in your box. Don't you worry. Excellent. Got to make sure there's DC in your box. So yeah, <laughs> that was uh, just a couple of DC mentions. Just move on to a couple of good Thor titles. 
Uh, certainly one that I know we all read and a run that we're really, really enjoying. Thor number eight came out. This was uh, part two of a sort of almost like a two-issue interlude called Hammerfall. Uh, so substitute artist in for this, doing great work, which is Aaron Cooter. Donny Cates, of course, on writing duties. This is all leading up to maybe Thor readopting the persona of uh, of an old favorite, Donald Blake, I believe. Yeah, looking forward to looking forward to that. Um, story itself is, uh, you know, Thor has thrown his hammer down to to Broxton, um, Arizona, no Oklahoma, um, and uh, where, where where Asgard used to reside, and uh, it was picked up by local mechanic Adam Aziz. Um, and he finds himself holding uh, Thor's hammer and, and wearing his guardian armor in, armor in the middle of a wheat field. Um, so there's a bit of a back and forth between Tony Stark and, uh, you know, just uh, a wee bit of dream fulfillment for Adam. And uh, and I think Thor sort of starts to solve the problem of, uh, well, he, he, he solved through Adam, through the mechanic, the simple Oklahoma mechanic. He, he he's, he's on his way to... Uh, to solving the problem of why Mjolnir appears to be growing heavier for him, but lighter for everybody else, you know. Um, but yeah, it's uh, pretty much, you know, he, you know, he says, uh, you know, Adam at the end, he say more or less says, you know, IT crowd, you know, turn it on and off again. Have you tried turning it on and off again? <laughs> answer to uh, all of life's problems. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> and if that doesn't work, he says, I usually just hit it with a hammer until it does, but. Uh, it is a hammer, you know, so he says, you know, so uh, hearing those words, you know, and best of luck, don't be a stranger. Uh, Thor's looking at a, a picture of, of Donald Blake outside his family clinic and thinking, don't be a stranger. So, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, yeah. to seeing what happens there because Donald Blake has been absent for a, a long time from Thor mythos. <laughs> for, um, for me, it was a great, I enjoyed both uh, seven and eight, but it was almost like, do you know when a TV show has like an episode where it's just a diversion with like one, maybe one or two characters, not the whole ensemble, and it just feels yeah. like a side story? I was like, fine, loved it, great, um, enjoyed the art, um, but time to move on. Let's crack on to the next story. But yeah, looking forward to seeing, and and it did, it it kind of advanced the plot quite a bit too. So yeah, but I'm I'm ready, ready for it, ready for number nine, I think. Plus, you just had that glorious page, as Keith alluded to, that wish fulfillment, uh, soaring high in the sky, which was a which was a beautiful little moment. So, yeah, yeah. Very, very solid issue all around. Uh, speaking of solid issues all around, it was a big bad boy to read, but amazing Spider-Man at fifty. Another appearance of Aaron Cooter, who was the guest artist on uh, on Thor, actually, um, in the last story here. Busy boy, uh, busy so, boy. This, yeah, it was an interesting one. Um, graphic novel sized. Limb, almost like flimsy comic paper. Um, but yeah, it's a thick, thick boy. But yeah, so it's this is actually issue 49 of Nick Spencer's run, but The Amazing Spider-Man 850 and Legacy numbering. Keith, what do you think? Did it uh, did it deliver? Oh yes, absolutely, it did. So we've obviously got Spencer, Otley, uh, Ramos, and, and Bagley on the on the the main story. Uh, this is actually Ryan Otley's last issue on uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, very, very um, recent announcement, sort of almost out yeah, of the blue. Yeah, a bit, bit of a shock. Well, a shock, but not expected. And whenever you've got Patrick Gleason uh, coming up behind him, that's never a bad thing, you know. So, uh, so yeah, continuing the uh, the Sins Rising storyline, uh, I really enjoyed 
how that was going. You know, we've got uh, we've got a couple of storylines here. You know, the, the the core one being the return of the Green Goblin, as Norman dons the uh, dons the the Goblin armor again. Um, in order not to not to go up against Spidey, but to to eat him against uh, against the Sin Eater and uh, and the, the various uh, machinations that he has been undertaken. In this issue, the Sin Eater absorbs the uh, Juggernaut's power to sort of fairly uh, effective and horrific uh, effect. That was uh, horrifying. Yeah, it was <laughs> gross. Um, but uh, but yeah, very very good. But you can never you can never trust a goblin, um, you know. But and then in the background, then we've got uh, we've got the uh, the order of the what do they call themselves? Not the, they're not a, they're not a team as such. Not the not not anything, but. Uh, a team made up of the various other uh, members of the sort of spider yeah, family. Um, kind of reminded me of, you know, did you ever see the cartoon where they're kind of all together at the end? There's a big oh, storyline yeah. with them. Yeah, kinda, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that yes. kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Um, Pretty yeah, this good. issue was stunning. Um, yeah. I loved how they dealt with Norman at the end. And um, yeah, it was just kind of delivered for me it delivered but then it gave you a little bit more too to keep you going into the next sort of story arc and i think we've got do we have the we have issue 851 coming soon and then there's that's spider-man 50 yeah (laughs) yes (laughs) so uh, big i'm sure it'll be a chunky boy yeah that first page continues to reinforce for me my theory that kindred may be harry osborne uh, Norman Osborn says there was a time when you were like a son to me, Peter. The son I never had. My chance for a legacy. I don't know. I'm still there. What did you think of the other, the two other stories, Roddy? Three oh, other stories. Um, Tradmer. Yeah. I need, I need some sort of alternate Tradmer Spider-Man. It's so fantastic. He, I just, I love that man's art. He's just phenomenal. Those, his, the way he draws the eyes is just brilliant i i absolutely love that one the the kirby sake one was really good too um with i can't remember the guy's name Pachalo. chris, chris bachelor they've uh, yeah, they've Bacchalo. never worked together before they're both uh they're both long time uh long time marvel uh stalwarts it's the first time they've ever worked together and uh and salad and Ahmed and aaron cooter on that final story about the the vulture's granddaughter uh which i quite enjoyed um mm. Yeah, it was a it's a nice nice book, nice book. Really enjoyed it. Looking forward to seeing where this is going next as we move into Last Remains, isn't that what it's called? Yeah, the books, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I mean, Amazing Spidey Fifty actually landed this week as well, so you don't have to wait too long for the uh the next installment. So, a couple other Marvel titles. I know you wanted to sort of throw out there, Keith. Yeah, I'm gonna just gonna highlight um, Marauders number thirteen, uh, which is part five of the Ten of Swords um, series running through all the X books. Um, if, uh, the the story's really starting to come together now. You know, we we have a we have a bit of a, a MacGuffin search uh, for the X Men as they try and track down, they try and fulfill the, the prophecies that uh, have come through uh, through Otherworld to Polaris uh, that that. You know that identify each of the X Men and each of the swords that they must wield. Now Wolverine's having a wee bit of a time over in Wolverine and X Force as he's ended up in hell uh, as he tries to go after a Massimora a blade and and one of uh, 
one of the other side is is going after it as well. But uh, this one follows Storm as she heads to Wakanda uh, to in order to 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 track down a, the blade that uh, that she's after. Um, and it's a little harder to it's a little harder to get a hold of um, the Skybreaker. We're learning a little about the blades, and we're learning a little bit the history and all these things. And the Skybreaker is the, you know, is the the key the key, uh, I guess, ceremonial weapon in, in Wakanda. And uh, Storm absolutely can't come and ask for it. And it's further complicated, of course, by the fact that Storm and uh, T'Challa were husband and wife at a time, and and Storm was the queen of Wakanda. So she approaches the queen mother and Shuri to ask for this. T'Challa is, uh, he's off on another mission until uh, a wee bit later. And it was quite, uh, you know, it, it was quite poignant, obviously, um, given, you know, that the, the issue is also, uh, also clean, contains the tribute to Chadwick Boseman from Tanahishi Coates and, uh, and has a, a tribute in the back, a, an art tribute in the back, um, from, uh, Alethe Martinez. But, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's just a great, uh, it's a great done on one story that is as part of the ongoing Ten of Swords uh, series. Uh, very, very well done. Showcases Storm's history and Storm's powers, and uh, you know the various her various roles throughout her life. Um, so very, very good. Really enjoyed that. And and uh, Ten of Swords, I'm I'm really starting to buy into. I'm really enjoying it. Really enjoying it as a as a, a Marvel crossover arc crossover story. I know there's a lot to it, but going quite well. It's a fun one to keep up with as a comic store owner, I can tell you. Uh, it's, it's well, one I, of, I don't know if you'd, I don't know of, how you'd have gone back in the day, Alan. Whenever uh, you know every, <laughs> you know every Spider-Man story crossed across four issues of four different titles. Yeah, every Batman <laughs> story was the same. So yeah, no, I, yeah. I would not have enjoyed that. But no, it's just, it's weird. Hickman events people don't seem to be that sort of jazzed for. And then the pre-order numbers are low, and then it starts coming out, and then word of mouth spreads, and it's actually really, really good. This is House and Powers all over again because when it started, we had like I don't know fifteen people, or not even fifteen, maybe like twelve people on it. And then by the time uh, by the time we got to like issue three, there was suddenly thirty people on it. So it's mm. it's almost like his events are slow going, and I'm starting to see that with X of Swords as well. So yeah. Um, but yeah, what what else you got Marvel wise then? Uh, did you did either of you guys read uh, did either of you guys read Rise of Ultraman number two? Neither of us have a copy. Roddy didn't put oh, it in this pull list. Okay, oh, Kyle. and I ran out. Is, and I ran that's out. Bad. <laughs> that's bad, crack. That's uh, so no that was Roddy's choice last week, wasn't yeah. it? No, or last no, month. No spoilers, um, Keith. No spoilers. No, no. I'll, I'll yeah, not go for any I made news. I made a bit of an error with that one. Oh, okay, so. okay. Um, so Kyle Higgins and, and Matt Groom, uh, Francesco Mana on it. Um, the story of the United Science Patrol secret multinational organization dedicated to defending the Earth from the Kaiju monstrous invaders drawn to negative emotions. So uh, last issue, Kiki Fuji, who's one of the USP's newest recruits, and her friend Shin Hayata, who is also an aspiring cadet, uh, were summoned to a UFO crash site and... Uh, you know, they once they were there, the commanding officer Maramutsu he revealed that the the last time the same extraterrestrial energy was detected was in 1986, 1966, and it resulted in the death of a USP agent at the time. They discover this orb and a giant like robot thing were emerging from it, and 
Shin fires upon it, much to his regret, and then he makes physical contact with it, which causes this explosive reaction. So we go from there, and it's just it's continuing sort of the the origin of of Ultraman and explaining the the world of Ultraman. And uh, there's a, a bit of internal stuff, a bit of external stuff. Really great issue. Continues the same quality as the as the first issue. Uh, really glad, really glad I jumped on this. You know, really glad. Don't you worry, Roddy. I'll get you sorted soon. I promise. Uh, and then one last one you wanted to throw out a bit of love for, then Keith. Marvel yeah, wise. absolutely. I'm throwing out some love for it. I'm just realizing there's a wee bit of a wee bit of a tear in the cover there that I hadn't noticed. That's uh, that's disappointing. Um, but it's uh, Star Wars number seven. I know Vicky would probably be grabbing on this if if I wasn't. Um, it's the uh, it's the start of. Uh, I mean, Charles Soule. You you talk about following creators. You know, I know you're not a Star Wars guy, but you should be on this because this is great. This isn't great, great Star Wars. It's great comics. Um, Charles Soule and uh, Ramon Rosonis. And this is part part one of uh, a story called The Will of Tarkin, which is sort of the the origin of Commander Zara, who is a, a fresh creation, I believe, uh, certainly fresh to me. And she is the, the prodigy, uh, the, the protege of uh, of Governor, Governor Tarkin. Um, so it's... Uh, Really great story. He's in it quite a lot. We learn a little bit about his back history. Uh, we learn a little bit about how she was chosen as his protege. And uh, yeah, it's really from her point of view. And it's about her, um, her, her, her battle, her continuous battle with Wills, with, with Leia. This has taken place after the, the, the Battle of Hoth and the, uh, the, the rout of the, the rebellion. So yeah, great stuff. Very enjoyable. Very enjoyable. Yeah, you never know. I might jump on it at some point. All the issues are here. I'm just, I'm just not a big Star Wars guy. But if if it's, it's good not an comics, excuse, follow creators. Follow creators. <laughs> follow creators, except when they go to franchises you don't like that much. After <laughs> the this is honestly the Star Wars book is, you know, the the first seven issues have been better than the last three movies. Uh-huh. Uh, very. I mean, I do. I mean that in all seriousness. It's 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 just good Star Wars. Well, maybe I'll throw it in the pile, I suppose. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so that's going to do it for Marvel, then. Honourable mentions are from that week, so we get on to the indie stuff. So, of course, there's plenty of indie honourable mentions. Again, we all had pretty big indie weeks this week, and, and the quality was, was certainly very, very high. I mean, one I wanted to throw out a bit of love for straight away was uh, Bang, number four, uh, which is written by Matt Kint and art by Wilfredo Torres. So th- this is actually a little bit of a... It, it's a story, I know myself and Roddy are reading this, it's one that for me with issue four, it's starting to come together a little bit. Yes. Yeah, to, to this yes. point, each issue's <laughs> almost been a one-shot introducing a different, almost a different trope of spy or action cinema. You know, you had the issue that was like the Die Hard issue, you had the issue that was like the um, the James Bond issue. This is like the issue that's the Agatha Christie issue. Slash mixed with Miss uh, Marple, is it? Yeah, is it <laughs> Miss Marple? Is that like the Christie yeah. creation? Yeah, I think you might be right. So, um, so yeah, with this one, you've got you know the the traditional Agatha Christie opening. You've got a bunch of people in a sort of large opulent mansion, and then you've got the the sort of the detective figuring it all out in the middle, and they're putting on this ridiculous accent. This is one detail I really loved. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's all, one of you is a cold-blooded murderer. You can, you can actually see the accent, <laughs> the way it's written. And, you know, she goes through the whole process of, you know, who the murderer is. You know, oh, it c- could have been you because you were doing this, and you, you could have been doing this. 
but then it has like that aha moment it was you so you have all of that and then we get reintroduced to a character that we knew from before um thomas cord and it's really funny as soon as he um meets her he says you can drop the accent what is that anyway french spanish i find the the accent it puts suspects at ease it lowers their appraisal of my intellect and i become less intimidating so that was a really great little moment um but yeah you're almost starting to get like this sort of hybrid superhero team being put together by the end yeah. of it um is there... no go ahead no no go after ahead. you after you you know, I was going to say, the the first one, I was like, oh, this is class. Like, oh, what's going to happen here? And then the second and third, I was like, eh, what's happening? I finally think I understand. Was, what was her name? Paige Turner? Mm-hmm. Turnier? Um, Are you saying this yeah. book is a real Paige Turner? I don't know. <laughs> and uh, Wilfredo Torres seems to just um, having the time of his life drawing, drawing these books. But um, yeah, it feels like you're like okay this this story is coming together he's putting thomas cord is putting some sort of team together so yeah really i'm really excited to see where it goes and then gets to play with and subvert all these you know spy tropes so yeah it's really good i'm really digging it um yeah i think this will definitely make a great trade i think it's five issues it's either five or six so we're, we're definitely approaching sort of the end game with it um so yeah bang number four just thought it was worth a little bit of love uh, I see you're still on Lost Soldiers, Roddy. How was number three? Um, um, number three, yeah, it's really I'm loving this series. Number three, you'd um, I think you would have enjoyed it if it was number two because it was all about action in this one. Mm-hmm. Number one and two built up to the action um, in Mexico where the cartel is and where they do their do their mission so this is this is a story um this is the third out of a five issue mini series by alice cott and luca castellanguida and heather marie lawrence moore and then aditya bidikar on letters yeah um sort of like a war story on two different planes there's the memories and dream sequences from vietnam and then there's sort of like it's a cartel um hitman kind of book too yeah really dig it the art and the coloring is phenomenal and this one there was barely do you know the way in the first two is very or you only read the first one didn't you yeah very meditative and you know it was very visceral and dreamlike this one was all about just action and it was everything that could go wrong did go wrong so yeah it was really 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 good so looking forward to seeing what the aftermath of all this kind of stuff is. Yeah, because it's it's a less cut does that one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I find him to be very divisive. There's times where his stuff's great and other times where it's just a bit too weird for me, I have to say. Yeah. Some, I think sometimes you have to be in the mood for that sort of... Uh, yeah. Like, it was very, I don't know, poetic or something. And then sometimes you don't want to read comics like that, but then sometimes you're like, ooh... It'll make, I reckon it'll make a good trade, you know, something like Sicario mixed with Apocalypse Now. So, that's quite I think the, it'll be good. That's quite the pitch right there. Well, one book you can read no matter what mood you're in because it is freaking awesome all the time and one that we're all certainly on is uh, Firepower, latest installment of Robert Kirkman and Chris Samney's excellent kung fu title. 
I've said it before in this podcast. I'm going to say it again. This was very close to being my pick of the week as well. Um, I think we were starting to hit a record where every single issue of Firepower was someone's pick of the week. So, mm. I, so I think we had to sort of step away from a little bit. But yeah, the quality of this title, just the small moments in it, the characters as you're getting to know them, you know, the jealousy over the past. There was just so much great stuff in this book that I really, really enjoyed. Um, the art is just great the whole way through. Like Chris Samney is great with expressions. He's great with like yeah. the rolling of eyes and those guilt faced looks and you know, those happy looks when the characters are going out for dinner and all that kind of stuff. Beautiful colours the whole way through. And it's like it's the things that go around the art when he does get to do those facial expressions. It's mm-hmm. like the shadows and the lighting and the angles. Oh like I had it in the document in our documents shared document as my pick and then it was like yeah uh. <laughs> i was like i don't know i don't know if um uh, it's uh... It, it it is um it deserves to be up there but we, we just kind of don't want to wax lyrical about it the whole time yeah i mean it's 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 fabulous we get a wee uh i just just like you say alan that that jealousy that kelly has you know with regard to uh to, to Owen and uh, and his his lost his lost love uh, with the story remains to be told there but she clearly knows the story yeah but this is very much about how she's dealing with it you know or not he, dealing with it as they or, say or, well or not dealing with it as the case may be but I mean we've all been in that situation in some way in some way or another uh, so I think it was very familiar felt felt familiar we get a wee a wee, uh, a wee tip back to the uh, back to the temple as the uh, the mystery of of Chow Feng uh, and and what evil he's up to around Owen uh, starts to mature and and Ma Guang who's now back there having having visited uh, St Louis and visited Owen uh, weeks previous he's starting to become he's starting to become uh, suspicious of Chow Feng based on what Owen told him. I love the fact that uh, that Owen's boy child is so keen to learn martial arts that he's out there in the morning before school trying to <laughs> trying to perfect his uh, trying to perfect his, his sidekick. As 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 roundhouse kick, I, I just that that kid seems like the perfect student. You know, he's just getting really involved in it and really, you know, loving it. Uh, the the thing with his just that wee moment with his dad and and there's a there's whenever they're out for dinner, I love how, how they're eating dinner and Owen spills something on his collar on his shirt, doesn't notice through the conversation and then the that Kirkman delivers on it, you know, and that it gives him the opportunity to have Owen get up to go to the bathroom where, where the action starts. Uh, you know, when we really see Owen unleash with the, with the fire part of this issue, uh, which is, which is great. But, uh, yeah, I love it. Absolutely love this. Yeah. This goes, book goes top of the yeah. pile nearly every single time it comes out and they just keep delivering issue after issue. But yeah, as you say, we almost need a separate fire power appreciation, uh, part on the podcast, but we've already got something like that lined up. So that can be arranged. We can't have two of those. You know, <laughs> stay tuned for more Kirkman news. Uh, yeah. So what else came out? We had die number fourteen. Uh, die is a strange one. Uh, I know that Vicky has stepped away from reading it because it's gotten so complex at this point, and there's so many characters and there's so much going on that you almost forget issue to issue, and it's almost mm-hmm. feel. There's a part of me feels like it would read better as a trade. You know, I'm starting to agree with that. It was still a good issue, and don't get me wrong, but I, I feel like we're going to have to go back to the start of die once it's over and really read through well, it to pick up a lot of stuff. 
That's what I I was saying on the last one. I was a bit kind of not lost, but not really following. Maybe it kind of lost a bit of interest or something. But with this one, I went back and read a couple of issues before of the arc, and then. But I still wasn't overly enamored with this one. I thought there was a lot of kind of a lot of talking and different engagements and all and it just it didn't really catch me and I don't know I don't know what's going on with it because um we, we were in love for a long time with I but I think um I don't know I don't know what the answer is to it uh, well I don't know I mean it, it's I think it'll be it's not bad it's, it's Sorry, Ke- Kieran Gillen again is he's he's telling the story about stories he's he's telling the story about but in this particular case it's role-playing games the the creation of stories and the and the uh the creation of the mutual creation of stories or the creation of the collective creation of stories by more than one individual you know uh which is what a role-playing game is really you know it's a i'm I'm trying to think of the uh like a cooperative uh, creation process collaborative um but this issue spotlights matt the grief knight very much i felt for the first for one of the first times um but yeah, it's I I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. It was the least uh, I felt See, least I think least engaged with this issue. It's almost um, like the the characters, the real characters, have almost taken a back seat, and I like to mix off it. But now it's almost in the in game characters. Mm, yeah, They're maybe taking over or something. I don't know. Maybe there's a maybe that's maybe there's like the, that's the discussion, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's intra it's it's um, I mean, and we're coming to the end. This will be the end of the third arc next issue, won't it? Yeah, fifteen. And then yeah. they'll then they'll take a break and they'll have the last five, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's 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 an uphill struggle before getting on to that final arc, but. Uh, no, I mean I'm sticking with it. Obviously, I've been on, I've been in this oh, yeah. long, but I think you're right, Alan. I think it bears, it bears rereading together. Yeah, I think so. I think there's just going to be a lot of strands that it'll make it'll be more interesting to read when you have it all together. I think you'll follow the story more. It's it's definitely more long form storytelling, so to speak. Uh, and and don't get me wrong, like the quality of it demands a reread. I think anyway, but yeah, I just. I was starting to feel a little tiny bit lost myself. So, but maybe it's just, you know, the sheer volume of stuff we read. Maybe you know the odd little thing gets. Uh, mm, I don't know. I think we're all feeling the same. So, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, die fourteen. Uh, stick with it. We have full faith that it will continue. One thing I will say though is the art was absolutely gorgeous the whole way through. But that's just a given at this point. To say the least. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie Hans, great work at all times. Uh, so a couple more indie books to finish off with. Uh, see you guys are still working your way through the Alien original screenplay. Yes, uh, loving it. Really, really enjoying this. Really glad I picked up the the first two issues. Really enjoying the third issue. This, of course, was the chestburster issue, uh, the one we were all waiting for. And and that you know, like like the original movie, this issue that that moment marks where this story changes from a wee bit. Uh, thriller mystery to hide and seek you know to the to to the to the hunt you know the hunter be hunted sort of killer be killed um sort of thing so what did you reckon Roddy? yeah i i dug it i did feel that this this one they didn't it almost felt like the things i really enjoyed about the series were them playing around with the 
you know the design of things and changing a little bit here and there but i felt this one it, it was a strong issue because it's it, it's one of the most iconic scenes in like all of you know arts and culture you know but um i liked what they did with it they didn't they didn't follow the film they did their own thing but i felt this issue didn't really feature a lot of um didn't really have any unique imagery to it which i think let it down a little bit i wanted a bit more um i don't know something a bit more in the shift to just kind of be a bit different to, to, yeah to feast to feast my eyes really because i already know the story so i want to see something you know like the um uh what do you call him the space jockey was completely changed mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. and i like the iconography of everything they've done before but if, like this is a really strong issue strong issue but yeah i felt there was a really funny scene though um do you know when the i think it's when they all try and yeah it's it's when the chest burster and then you just see the cat <laughs> like make a dart for it it's brilliant yeah, that's right yeah it's i actually i love that page i love that yeah. page with it leading up to the chest bursting you know the uh, you know the the way that the panels have been used uh, you know at, at the top you know, it's divided into to three sections, really, on the on the page. Yeah. You know, so that the the top of the page, you know, you have the victim, you know, spasming and you know the thing sort of eating its way out of his chest, and then there's this horizontal panel, long panel across the page, as the chest burster bullets out of his chest, you know, across the across the page, <laughs> and then at the bottom and <laughs> the bottom left. You know, you've got all the rest of the crew hiding in the corner, effectively, but hiding in the corner of the page. You know, yeah, and uh, really I, thought that, I thought that was really good use of uh, really good use of the panels. And again, just one of the things that you, one of the tools you can use in in comics that you get you don't get a lot of other places. So, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I'm I'm most interested to see the alien, of course, Roddy, to see how its design yeah, has think, changed. Yeah, I think that's the big one. And then just a couple more indie ones just to finish off with. I know there one you wanted to talk about quickly, Keith, but please no spoilers, as I thought I had finished my pull list this week, and then there's just that one wee issue just sticking out under the bed that it somehow made its way under there, which is we only find them when they're dead, number two, but am I in for, in for a treat? Yeah, you really are. You really are. The second issue of Al Ewing and Simone DeMeo's, um space thriller. Uh, so... We bit a flashback and forward here, and within a year, uh, you know, we're we're learning a wee bit more about the relationships between the crew, the thing that the things that drive uh, uh, George's uh, Malik, the captain, um, and uh, you know, what, uh, leading up to I guess the the journey that started to happen that kicked off last issue, and and how they prepared for it, uh, and started to prepare for for going to find a. A god that is that is alive, uh, but I'll, I'll not uh, I'll not spoil anything by giving you, you any detail here. But uh, yeah, this is this was very close to being my pick. This is a gorgeous looking book. the The art is just lovely. It is there's it's slightly, very slightly, um, I guess manga esque uh, in the way that. Ah, God, the, the closest thing. Do you remember whenever they, they relaunched He-Man and the Masters of the Universe back about 10 years ago or 15 years ago, and it just had that slightly more yes. manga look to it? Um, definitely, definitely that. I, I think that was 20 years ago, mate. 
Or was it okay? Good, good enough. I, I don't even know anymore, Roddy. I don't even know. Uh, back when Roddy wasn't even a teenager. Or barely one. <laughs> yeah, I left my teen years a long, long, long behind. Um, but yeah, great, uh, great issue. Uh, fant- I don't know, were you on this, Roddy? No, but I think, uh, I think I'm going to get the trade because you guys have uh, just bigged it up so much. Just so wait. Um, yep. Then speaking of issues with fantastic art, we had Adventure Man number four hit this week as well, which actually brings the first arc to a close. Just a four-issue mm-hmm. arc, but it was always an oversized book, so I suppose you can understand that to a degree. So Matt Fraction on writing duties, then you got the Dodsons on art, Terry Dodson art, and Rachel Dodson colorist. Really digging this book. It really just continues to be a fun examination of sort of pulpy heroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was a really, I thought it was actually a really funny issue. This one, I thought there was tons of humor in it. Like I really enjoyed the part where you know Claire is getting used to the changes in her body, and she's slightly taller, and she's slightly heavier, and she's slightly wider. She's a foot and a half taller, you know, and she's <laughs> she's like driving along in her little scooter, and the the tires are bent, and it's dragging along the floor, and you know, she's bumping <laughs> she's into wearing people. her dad's boots. <laughs> But then there's like a little moment where like a bellhop steals something from a tourist and she's like, I can't just let that pass, can I? And then runs off after him and sort of in hero mode as well. So Yeah, yeah, she's uh, she's definitely feeling the effects, isn't she? Yeah, very much um, so. A lot, we learned, issue. a lot of fun. We learn a little bit more about the link between the stories, you know, that they've been reading, especially that her son, her, her son has been reading. Uh, you know about Adventure Man and the, uh, the the adventure. What do they call them? The Adventure Company. The uh, what do they call the the, the group? The uh, Adventures. I can't remember. Adventure the, the good Incorporated. Yeah. Adventure Incorporated. That's what it is. Uh, and 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 the link between that and and the real world, as it were, and yeah. what happened in between. Why Adventure Incorporated has been forgotten. Uh, and it's Jesus. It's it's just about. And we learn a little more about Claire's Claire's family. Who I think her extended family of adopted, of adopted sisters, uh, who I think are going to become much more important uh, in this uh, in this series. So I'm loving what what Fraction and the Dodsons are building here. This is this is a beautiful, beautiful book, uh, beautiful book. And always a book with great back matter as well. You know, designs on the characters and influences and all this kind of stuff. So you always get your value with that book, I find. And then just one last one to finish off with. Uh, you're the only one reading this at the moment, Keith. I am collecting it, but I just find this series too confusing on an issue-to-issue basis. <laughs> and I'm saving it for all eight issues to come out. We are, of course, once again talking about Jonathan Hickman and Decorum. Yeah, Jonathan Hickman and Mike Huddleston's uh, Decorum at number five. Again, these are always oversized issues. Uh, you know, they're always chunky, and they're, they're, the art and the, the, the variety of art styles in any individual issue, page to page, is incredible. Uh, so this issue covers uh, Neha, who is the character who uh, who our uh, our uh, eponymous assassin found in the uh, in the first issue or met in the first issue, and she is being trained in uh, in, in in assassinating assassination assassin assassinating assassin craft <laughs> killing. She's been trained in killing. So this sort of it, it's there's a lot of. Uh, like montages here with uh, Neha training and and it's it's the uh, you know we start in year one and it's uh, education application and then repetition you know and it's just as she as she uh, 
develops across the three years and uh, and then uh, comes back full circle to uh, to meet with the first issue. So yeah, really, really enjoying this book. This one actually, Alan, was fairly straightforward relative to some of the other issues, but Hickman <laughs> is a master of his craft uh, and decorum could very well be his be one of his his his, his, his big magnum opus you know it's yeah it's a great and mike huddleston is absolutely phenomenal in this i mean for for one person to be able to undertake so many different varying styles of of, of pencil and, and art is unbelievable yeah i mean i'm looking forward to digging into it when i have it all as i said just i've found it it was always a book of two halves and the second half with the sort of mild-mannered assassins was always really interesting the first half of the book just always seemed really abstract and strange and yeah i just i think i'll read better together all together but i was conscious of the fact that i wanted to get all the single issues because i there's always back matter and stuff like yeah, that so yeah, yeah i wanted to make sure i had it all so uh yeah that's pretty much all our honorable mentions for the week uh we just have to play one thing now we have a new part of the podcast we have Roddy's dandering with the dead. Please don't sue us, Walking Dead TV show. <laughs> we are going to introduce a brand new section here. So this week also, uh, this release week also heralded the release of The Walking Dead number one deluxe. So what this is, is The Walking Dead is being retold exclusively again in single issue form. Uh, right from issue one, right through to 193. But what they're doing this time is they're... They're upping the sort of quality game in a way, or not not even the quality game, just the finishing game. You know, lovely cardstock covers. The entire series has been colored. It's on beautifully printed paper. And Keith and I are both Walking Dead veterans, read it from start to finish. Roddy is new to this game. And, so, and, and the, the, trick, the trick of this, obviously, is as veterans, we know that the entire Walking Dead, all 193 issues... We're black and white, you know, and and the trick here is they're releasing everything, the original story, the original, uh, the original script, and everything, but it's recolored. It's colored. It's you know, which is is fantastic. You know, I hadn't you know, uh, yeah, but it's even more fantastic that as you say, uh, Roddy is experiencing this for the first time. Exactly, and we're gonna call this. This is gonna be a feature every two weeks, every time there's a new release, and it's called Roddy's Dandering with the Dead. And he's going to take it away and review every issue. A couple of minutes. Go for it. Let's go. So, yeah, this is my eight-year commitment to reviewing these issues. <laughs> let's, um, let's not remind ourselves how old we're all going to be when this finishes. Yeah. Um, well, at least you're not a zombie, so it's mm. all good, isn't it? What did you reckon, Roddy? Um, I think I said to you, to either you boys or in the sort of main Coffee and Heroes group, to me, when I sat down to read this, or to read this, sorry, when it, it's one of the greatest debut issues I've ever read, and I was like, "What? What have I done that I haven't read this?" <laughs> um, you, you guys can talk away about the colors, but for me, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. I love black and white stuff anyway. But it was cool seeing this. Um, obviously, written by Robert Kirkman. Artist is Tony Moore which I didn't know about. Uh, colorist, Dave McCaig. We also have Russ Wooten, the letterer. Um, yeah, so this this blew me away. It gave me everything I needed. It was one of the most tight and beautifully crafted first issues of anything I've ever read. 
you're introduced to uh, Rick Grimes, who in the very first page he gets shot, and then the second page he wakes up in a hospital and he can't find anyone. He struggle, struggles on after having some sort of, in, you know, his injury sort of heals and he's been in a coma, wakes up only to find himself in a zombie apocalypse. And it's beautifully done. You get everything you know, need to know about Rick in this. He's an upstanding police officer. He later, he sort of survives his first sort of zombie uh, like occurrence in the hospital, like haphazardly, he doesn't really know what's going on. Going through the book when he escapes the hospital, there's an amazing scene where he sort of he finds a bike and he's going to ride home, but then by the side of the road there's like this disgusting scene where he finds the cyclist, basically, shall we say, sort of like still half breathing, but the body's gone, and they just make these horrendous noises, guck and gar and all this stuff so he cycles away and then eventually he's um he meets is it so it's morgan Wayne, the son and uh, morgan morgan jones mm-hmm. nice nod to it's night of the living dead dwayne jones is the actor isn't he yes that's right yeah uh-huh. um yeah and then it just shows so much great character development in this and i absolutely adored it it was just brilliant um because you get Rick, Rick's off to find his family. Um, Dwayne, sorry, not Dwayne. Uh, what was his name? Morgan. Morgan. Morgan tells tells him everything. Sort of when everything went to shit, people went to the big cities, uh, mostly. So his family most likely will be in Atlanta. So Rick, Rick goes to the police station, takes some guns. Lends lends some stuff to Morgan, and I really liked the thing where he's like, "No, you're going to return them, right?" So like yeah. for all these guns, <laughs> Rick is very much, very much, yeah. Whenever all this is over, <laughs> yeah, such a model, a model citizen. But it gives you a nice, um, a nice touch. And then at the end, he he basically goes back to shoot, uh, put a, put the uh, the zombie cyclist out of its misery, and he sort of. It dawns on him in these great panels, like just the sort of horror of what's going to come to him. Dave McCaig's colors are beautiful, um, really set the scene, really. Um, yeah, can't say enough good things about this. First issue, you're just straight in there. Absolutely fantastic. And I love there's some really great back matter as well from Kirkman, yeah. which I enjoyed. Um, so I think that's what these books are going to be all about so you know it's obviously like a massive commitment for somebody that's already read it to get this but um yeah it certainly seems it's like it's one of the greatest comics ever made and it's certainly this feels if you read the stuff at the back that Kirkman feels this is the way it should be read I'm sure many people feel differently but um yeah I'm digging it I mean it's clearly a case of uh clearly a case of this has become the monster that it is and, and whenever they first released it it was unproven you know and, and black and white was a was a, an easy way to keep the cost down you know um yeah so and and i mean i guarantee they can with the money they've made from walking dead they can pay for that and this no bother at all yeah <laughs> you know, it's uh... what i what i did find interesting was i have seen the tv show for like three series I thought it was interesting. There was no, what what's on the sign in the TV show? It's like 
dead don't, 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 open, or don't open dead inside. dead inside or something yeah um or don't or don't scene. dead open inside if you read it left right <laughs> <laughs> it's um it had that scene but it didn't have uh like the, the, writing, door, the writing yeah. on it so it was yeah it was cool it was cool to see all that stuff just lifted directly from it no you're um, you're in for a treat man it's in. Br- yeah. brilliantly plotted brilliantly told consistent as gravity the whole way through it and yeah i mean i i would read through it again anyway even if it was in its original black and white but the color does add something to it so i'm, I'm mm, really looking forward to it so i think I we're, I just, I think we're all in. yeah i think uh definitely i mean that just that last panel where where rick drives off into the distance and i'm going man you have no if idea what you're getting you yourself knew. into and you, you know there's uh there's there's definitely something to be said for the fact that i mean i'm i'm on this it took a wee bit of thinking and considering to get on it because it is an investment every two weeks but i'm really looking forward to what's to come it is absolutely beautiful if you didn't read walking dead the first time around you're guaranteed you know you're guaranteed a phenomenal story from start to finish just do it just go in and talk to alan or vicky and put it on your pull list because it's it's great and uh I'm I am frightened as well. I'm I'm trepidatious because looking at the glory of the color in this, and knowing what scenes are to come and how terrifyingly horrific and impactful they were in black and white, I don't know what I'm going to do to see them in color. That's that's yeah. I'm, I'm 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 frightened. Well, yeah, that's actually. it. I've I've certain scenes in my mind that I'm really mm-hmm. looking forward to getting to. So, or not as the case may be. <laughs> Yeah, the actual horror of it, I really, I really dug. I did because you know I didn't know what to expect, but it, it really feels like proper horror zombie, which I haven't really seen in a while. So that's yeah, well, I mean, awesome. Not to throw too much more weight on the shoulders of The Walking Dead, but I recently rewatched so much Damage, the uh, the story of Image Comics, twenty five years, and The Walking Dead pretty much single handedly defined the Image model for what exists today. It was the first book to move away from superheroes to be six issues at a time and then trade, six issues then trade, to be a long ongoing, to trust the audience, to stick with them. Um, the impact of the book really can't be understated, So, but the reason it works so well is just because it's brilliantly told. So now you're in for a treat, man. So with The Walking Dead Deluxe, there's going to be a new issue every two weeks, except for between issue one and two. So there's a month between issue one and two. I think it's a case of trying to get as many people on it as they can, and then it's going to be fortnightly ah, after that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Right, so so check, check back in a month. Check back in a month for the next ed- installment of Roddy's Dandering with the Dead. So we're going to finish off then just with our usual uh, looking forward to what's coming next. So with today being a release day, we're recording this on the 14th of October. We're actually going to look at what's coming out on the 21st of October. So the top three for me, Shock Horror, Batman 101, after I just eulogized all night long about Batman 100. Looking forward to seeing the direction this goes on. It's GM March on Art for that one and Tinian Writing. We think that Batman White Knight presents Harley Quinn. This is the first in a new imprint, which are short miniseries that are set in the White Knight universe. It's always going to be Sean Murphy helping with story, but he does the covers and then it's new uh, creators on the inside. So I'm looking forward to that kicking off. And then the last one for me is a title called Scumbag, number one. And this is the new Rick Remender title. Very much the definition of my sort of mantra of following creators. Writer of Deadly Class, Black Science, 
low so much good stuff and that's a new title from him uh what about yourself Riley? what do you got nice one um well i am looking forward to the penultimate issue of gideon falls from jeff lamar and andre sorrentino so yeah one to go that's going to be interesting number 26 and then we have the return of conan really really excited glorious return Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jim Zub on the writing for that. Cannot wait. Um, we're sort of we're in the middle, aren't we, of a uh, of his run at the moment? And then I'm looking forward to Stillwater number two, which is the the beginning of a, an amazing series from uh, Mr. Chip Zdarsky. Awesome. Yeah. And how about yourself, Keith? Uh, for me, uh, I'm looking forward to the first issue of Dune House of Trades. Uh, so that is uh, by Kevin J. Anderson, Brian Herbert, Dev uh, Pramanik on uh, art. Um, we've got uh, Jay Lee on the original cover, and there's a Dan Mora variant. Um, oh, so this is set in the years leading up to the Hugo and Nebula award-winning Dune, which inspired the upcoming film from Legendary Pictures, which we spoke about transports readers to the far future on the desert planet of Arrakis where Pardo Keynes seeks its secrets. Meanwhile, a violent coup is planned by the son of Emperor Elrude. An eight-year-old slave, Duncan Idaho, seeks to escape his crew of masters, and a young man named Leto Atreides begins a fateful journey. Uh, These unlikely souls are drawn together, first as renegades and then as something more as they discover their true fate to change the very shape of history. Uh, Nightwing number 75... Uh, I'm obviously looking forward to that. It's one that's, uh, it's a, I think it's a double-sized issue in the wake of Joker War. Nightwing's back, but is he back for good? Uh, does he remember B, uh, Rick Grayson's girlfriend? Uh, with the help of Batman, Batgirl and his Teen Titans friends, and even Alfred, Nightwing must decide for himself which path to take. Then when KG Beast discovers Nightwing is still alive, his street credibility is on the line if he doesn't go to finish the job. He started when he tried to kill Nightwing and Misk. Nightwing better watch his back if he uh, if he wants to be back for good. But I gotta say, I wouldn't like to be in KG Beast shoes. Uh, whenever uh, whenever uh, Dick Grayson gets a hold of him, um, and then finally, Fantastic Four number twenty five, Dan Slott and R. B. Silva taking over as artist on this book. So R. B. Silva of uh, Dawn of X wasn't it? Was uh, was where he was um, earlier on this the last year. It's a new era for Fantastic Four. This year has it all. New artists, new villains, new uniforms, a new major permanent status quo change for Marvel's first family. Who is the helmsman? Is he here to save our reality or destroy it? Why is Victorious in New York and what will it mean for the Human Torch? All this in an appearance by Doctor Doom. Uh, One of the most important characters in the entire cosmos returns from the dead on a major turning point in the history of the Fantastic Four. Going to be a big issue as well. So, uh, yeah, there we go. Looking forward to all three of those. Awesome. So those are, again, going to be releases out on the 21st of October. So that is going to do it for us this evening. So once again, just going over all the issues that were out on the 7th of October. 14th of October will be coming regular as clockwork next week. This weekly schedule is back, baby. So uh, (laughs) as ever, your host, Alan, saying good night. Pleasure as always, gentlemen. Cheers, Keith. Thank you very much. That was good fun. Good fun. And cheers, Roddy. Yeah, cheers, guys. Enjoyed it. Um, yes, yeah, stay safe out there, everyone, and keep on dandering. <laughs> Good night. Nice.